everybody, welcome to The Cinema Nerd Presents, the filmography of Amy Heckerling. My name is Kyle. I'm here to talk about this movie, European Vacation, with my friend. James, yeah. <laughs> this movie. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, this, this is a funny ride, actually, with all these, like, these films that are coming through in this collection. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it does feel when I was trying to get my head around like this movie and how to talk about it, what to say, the best that I could come up with was, well, I see why Heckerling got this job because this movie is kind of nothing but bits and she's really good at the, the broad comedy that was, you know, on display in Johnny Dangerously. Yeah. You know, and then this, the, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, uh, yeah okay well first of all let's just see have you taught have you seen any movies yeah let's get ahead of well, other than, yeah i've seen a couple of things lately let me pull up my handy dandy letterboxed account uh yeah. last last night yeah the wife and i watched can you ever forgive me oh i don't even know it it's, good yeah, it's a solid flick, real solid flick. Very enjoyable. Um, it's Melissa McCarthy from a couple of years ago playing Lee Israel in a true story, uh, or, you know, uh -huh. based on a true story. And she kind of gets into document forging because her writing's not going well. And I, the movie is totally worth a watch. And Melissa McCarthy is really, really good. I think she had some Oscar buzz if she wasn't actually nominated for it. And she deserves it. She's excellent in it. The, oh, that's cool. Her sort of uh, counterpart, the other lead, is a really fantastic and interesting character you want to spend most of your time with, but you don't, you know? And I yeah. guess that's fair, because otherwise it'd be a, an entirely different movie. Uh, but he's yeah. uh, got a great performance. And actually, I just want to shout out his name real quick, because I'm going to feel like a jerk if I don't. I, I, I get that sentiment. I've been watching a TV show lately, Killing Eve. Oh, um, yeah. Written by the Fleabag writer. Um, yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. Someone, oh, yeah. sorry. It's uh, Richard E. Grant, of course. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but in that show, I, I like that show. There are amazing bits in that show and it has a really cool, like, soul to it. Like, it just feels different and interesting. Okay. Um, but the main character... It's stupid to me, and I don't, I can't get into her head, her mindset. Do you mean Sandra O oh or? Uh, yeah, yeah. She like constantly, constantly doing the dumbest option. Yeah. When there's, when there's like an option put forward in the show of like, whoa, what do we do now? They do the dumbest one, <laughs> and it's like, so, but. Also, I think they're kind of hinting towards her becoming a sociopath. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not meant to be completely in her head. Whereas normally I watch a show, I'm like, okay, this is me. What am I up to? Right. Um, watching that show, I, I can actually, this is a bit awful, but I can understand the, so, the psychopathic killer. Like I can see... Well, because you know what a psychopath is, so you watch the show and you're like, wow, that's cool, because it's like a psychopath, but with a flicker of humanity behind the eyes. Like, you just get, like, hints of there's something there. Okay. But she is a... I don't know. Anyway, I was like, okay, this show is pretty cool, because the main villain-ish, whatever you call, of the show 
is a very well written character. Like, well, right, and they kind of end up coming together about halfway through the series, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's sort of where I left off with it, and yeah. was really intrigued by it and having fun with it. And I just, I have a problem with TV, man. If I stop yeah. watching a TV show, I'm just not going back to it. I, I that's fair. No, it's you're, not. You're, it's not because I was really enjoying the show. Yeah, but you'd hate me for that because uh, I've got a whole collection of those that I've done, including Breaking Bad. Yeah, fair enough. So you don't, you haven't seen the ending of that one. Nope. Fair. I saw, I saw um, the girlfriend of Jesse dying on the floor, and the guy standing over. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, Walter White. Standing, yeah, Walter White standing over. And I kind of had to take a break because I was like, that's pretty heavy. Like, yeah. that's a heavy moment to me. And I'm watching it and I just kind of took a break and the break turned into five years. <laughs> I just didn't pick it back up. <laughs> now you bailed at the right point, man. I honestly, I think that's the peak of the show. It was good. Yeah, yeah. good show. I just, um, anyway, sorry, not, no, what movies not did I, uh, yeah, nothing else really, honestly, nothing worth shouting out. I watched Vice recently. I also, actually, you know what? I watched uh, Independence Day as kind of some comfort food. Uh, <laughs> and I just love Roland Emmerich movies, man. And that's yeah. maybe his best film. But yeah, the oh, bombacity yeah. and the studio-ness of it, I really dig it. No, uh, 100%. It, it's, it's, it's all the equations that, or the, the formulas or recipes that he was coming together to make made independence day like totally he, was, he had all these like big destruction huge characters like all these elements that he puts in his movies and he brought them together into this like and like, even outside of that it's like will smith firing at peak will smith and this was the movie that like for remember for a while he owned fourth of july it was the story yeah. around him he would open a movie it would make a billion dollars not at that point obviously we we're in like the hundreds of mills but still he ruled that whole thing. And that was like right in line when that was happening. And it's also Jeff Goldblum, like <laughs> after um, Jurassic Park. So we know him as, you know, smart and smarmy. He can really just kind of yeah. do the thing. And he it just slots insane. right back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All the, like you said, all the pieces just lined up and it's, it's more than the sum of its parts. <laughs> I love that movie. Yep. No, good, good, good film. I watched last night, um, very, very, the Varium. Oh, you know what? I'm going to uh, catch up on that one probably this weekend because my, my oh. co-host on Made in the 90s is really into yeah. it and wants me to watch it. But on that okay. note, I caught up with Bloodshot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So oh, tell me oh. your thoughts on Bloodshot. Yeah, the movie's a blast. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with Bloodshot? Yeah. I don't know. yeah. yeah. It, it's like the perfect kind of, you know what? It's like a Roland Emmerich movie for me. It's the, you know, the 2020 version of a Roland Emmerich movie. It's just kind of all those things right at their peak. Although I guess a yeah. few of them are maybe a little past prime and sort of just like 10% behind the curve is why it feels yeah. a little strange, but I don't know, it's a blast. No, it was good fun. I, I watched it and I enjoyed it. I was just like, this is ridiculous. And every time something was ridiculous, I'm like, perfect. That's yeah. what I want. <laughs> and like, kind of, I kind of called the, the twist quite early. Yeah. But I, but I think you mean, like, you know, it's, they're not hiding it all that much. Like, basically, you're watching it like, uh, this is really weird. And I'm like, it feels made. And then I watch, and then you watch, and it kind of unfolds. You're like, oh, I get it. They, they, they kind of wanted you to make it feel manufactured. 
Yeah, that, it's made in exactly the kind of way I want it to be made. Yeah. It's like holding my hand the whole way. Don't worry, guys. This We are projecting this story into every inch of the frame and through the dialogue, and no one's going to be confused. You can just, like, let it blow up. That's fine. Yeah. 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 That's the one. All right. Uh, European vacation. But you, you don't want to talk about Vivarium, because I did thoroughly enjoy that film. It's a... Okay. Yeah, I don't, don't, I don't want to talk about it. No, I, I'd rather go in as cold as I can because you're the second okay. person whose opinion I really respect that's told me it's very good. Oh, so, uh, check it's weird. Like, but, but not, not like, it is weird, like on purpose, surreal, but it's also like, the, there's a lot of weird decisions in making that film. Like, okay. um, right. but it's cool. Like it's, ah, no, yeah, watch it. Yeah, anyway, yeah. We'll okay. talk about it. Like Bloodshot, we'll catch up again. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about <laughs> National Lampoon's European Vacation. Uh, got some names in it. Like, that's one thing I noticed. It's just like, you know, a lot of these people, like Who Eric Idle and it? stuff. Eric Idle essentially reprising his role as the Black Knight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I get that gig though. Like that joke. Um, that joke landed for me just because I, I, I like the constantly getting hit by car slapstick. Like, okay. Until Eric Idle showed up, that joke was really working for me. And it was the first gag in the movie that was working for me. I, that's not fair. It was the second one. The first time I laughed in this movie was when Clark walks into the lobby after trying to find his room or whatever. And he says some smarmy thing to the hosts like nope just wanted an early wake-up call that's what he was oh i'm just here to ask for a wake-up call yeah. and he delivers it in just the way that only he can and i laughed out loud at that but i yeah. paused the movie at that point to see okay where are we 22 minutes into the film before i cracked a smile and yeah. then a few yeah. minutes after that is that this car <laughs> crash sequence that's really fucking funny yeah. and for me the humor of it is it, the escalating car crashes are great, but the deepening accents is yeah. so fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> Until Eric yeah. Idle shows up. And I like Eric Idle and his thing and that performance, but it's like, well, I could just watch Monty Python if I wanted to see him do that. And he would do it much better, much further. <laughs> Why are we? And so it kind of goes to, that's not the only point in this movie. There's another one that maybe will come back to me where it was like, well, that's just that bit from this other movie. And again, so that might be my problem is I thoroughly don't gel with this type of movie. Like um, it's very American, but I, I'm, I'm not American. So if there's cultural holes that just like, I'm guessing if you grew up with the, the, the TV shows with the pig head, like, no, that's not a thing, like, man. That that it was No, but I mean like that kind of crazy show. Like I have no idea what that is and it doesn't actually make me laugh at all. I just kind of go Okay. okay. Well there are like, <laughs> like yeah, family competition shows for sure, where like the whole yeah. family would have to come out. Like Family Feud is probably the most famous example that's still on the air. But especially yeah. in the seventies, there was a lot of I, you know, I couldn't even name them for you, but it was definitely a genre and the family would get to go on a vacation at the end of it and the host would totally make out with all the women. So that's what that gag is about. But it's it's, so, a, bit. it's a bit. And like that joke is funny. Techni that joke makes sense in America. I don't know if it's funny, but it makes sense. 
It at least yeah. lands as a reference, but it's so uncomfortable here and just yeah. gross, man. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, she's sorry. a child, basically. So that that like joke didn't land, but I'm guessing, yeah. So a lot of the jokes didn't land, and then at least I got to the like car crash, car crash, car crash, and then Eric Idle, and everyone's just saying, "Oh, it's all right. Here's yeah. you know, take this with you." Like I liked the the niceness in the face of just <laughs> and the bald absurdity of that. Like by the end of that exchange, the one dude like gives him the piece of the car, the bumper. They're like. <laughs> That taking that joke so far is really, really funny, but most of the jokes in this movie, even if you do get the reference, they're just lazy and flat. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, it's I think it's a lot in the editing, but I want to give credit to <laughs> Heckerling because I like what we've seen so far and what's yeah. to come I know I enjoy. And I hate this script very much. I don't know if there was a ton of material here. So the yeah. fact that this thing moves at a glacial pace is probably due to needing to actually stretch it to a 90 minute movie. It, it, it was, yeah, it was slow. And also like, I don't know, I just didn't like anyone. So I'm not in the ride on, I'm not on board. Like, no, uh, same. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of these movies as a, a series to begin with. And this yeah, feels like amazing. hopefully it's the weakest installment because there's barely a movie here. There's no <laughs> real conflict. There's not much of a plot. No. It, and the gang, you know, so I, I really, I don't even have many notes beyond that. It's just, it's kind of like not much of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a bit tough because I'm, I'm like watching it. I watch it. Like, you know, I watch anything. Like, I, yeah. even, even if it wasn't part of this, I would have finished watching it because that's kind of my thing. I just... I just finish watching movies most of the time. But yeah, it was really like... Uh, I would have finished... Not, um, sorry, go ahead. I, I just, I'm not on board with anyone. So the whole, like, every character is kind of annoying <laughs> to me. But especially the dad, who is kind of the, the centerpiece. And he's kind of an unlikable human being. He's just and the so, absolute worst. And I think that is kind of a, you know, a trope, a send up of the American, you know, middle America dad who okay. is a total buffoon and doesn't know any better. But yeah, there, so, you know, this, it actually came up from Ricky Gervais recently. And it's a criticism that I've talked about a lot and maybe probably even with you because moving here, one of the first questions I get is like, oh, so do you like The Office and the original or the whatever? Because we're in these circles. <laughs> and I love the British office. It's got its place. But I obviously, I'm an American. I respond more to the American office. Uh, so I've watched both and enjoyed both. Sure. Uh, they are just completely different. It's like Alien Aliens. Like it's... Uh, just completely different concepts. Like Fair enough. the Alien, Alien so, One is a horror film, which is gripping and clever, and all the characters have real intent and real problems. And there's not like an instant shoot everyone, finish <laughs> the problem. Um, Alien Two is a thoroughly fucking enjoyable film, like beautiful, perfect, but an action film where every alien is killed with one bullet, and then they move on to the next one. You know, like. It's going on all the time. Do you know the yeah, so, story about the way that, that uh, he pitched that? James Cameron pitched that? He, he walked into the office and wrote down the word alien on the chalkboard or the whiteboard or whatever they're writing. And then just wrote the word, wrote the letter S behind it. 
<laughs> looked at the table, and then he just draws two lines through it so it's a dollar sign. <laughs> closes the marker, walks out of the meeting. That's it. <laughs> okay. okay. So back to this thing. That story is just too good not to tell. But my point yeah. about the different versions of The Office is that the reason I don't respond as strongly, I, so my criticism of the British version of The Office, specifically as an American, is that there's no redeeming characteristics for Ricky Gervais. He's just a bad yeah. person who's bad at his job. Yeah. Michael Scott is a bad person who really wants to be good and is actually good at his job. He's yeah. still a bad person, but we get to spend some time with him doing good people things that make us sympathetic. And even yeah. if we weren't sympathetic to his humanity because he wants to be a better person, we still might respect him for being really good at his job because he actually is shown to be good at his job regularly throughout this show. Yeah. Ricky so Gervais I'll, came out and said, let's just finish this point, but Ricky Gervais said that that was a really specific note that him and Stephen Merchant gave to Greg Daniels when they were developing the American version because Americans won't understand how somebody can keep their job in that environment. And so <laughs> that was a, a real culture shift for me coming over here. But yeah. it's a really good note about character. And yeah. this movie has none of that. Gus Griswold is a bad person doing shitty things in a terrible way. And I yeah. don't care. I, why am I interested in this? But I'm on board with that. That's exactly me. And that might be why I didn't like the first couple seasons of the American office, because there were no redeeming qualities. So like, so American office, I, it was very hard to watch at the start because he is kind of racist, sexist, horrible. And you don't see a lot of the good aspects for a while. And, and like, eventually he starts becoming like a person who cares about people and wants like a, like a good future. He's still terrible, but he, he's, you can see he's trying to grow. And right. I like it's, I got really into the show eventually, but um, the US, the UK one is you are the office people and you know the boss. Like you're not, like it's not meant to follow the boss at all. You're meant to be looking at the boss and picturing a boss that you had once. Like, like he isn't redeemable because you've met that person who's not redeemable before. Um, sure. Yeah. But it's like, like I said, it's just a different animal. It's completely, it's like the, the, the comedy's not even meant to be all that funny. It's meant to be kind of heartbreaking and you know, like it's. Yeah, it's, absolutely. And that's something that both of those shows do have in common. They just, they do approach it from different ways. And there is a, you know, uh, a different perspective, different mm -hmm. lens coming through culturally. And I do so with you that out. I also appreciate the British office and have really enjoyed, uh, you know, it's yeah. fun. Um, and, you know, this it, movie, yeah. I'm with you. It just doesn't redeem. There's not, and I don't know if it's direction. I think, I think maybe this, uh, and I'm, forgive me for being ignorant, but I'm assuming National Lampoons is like a Saturday Night Live sort of a thing, like a collection of comedians? Yeah, um, essentially. It was a magazine, sort of like uh, Mad Magazine. Okay. And yeah, because they probably had their hooks in, you know, like they probably asked for the movie and said, I want these things and probably drove it a little bit because I, I feel like it's 
it's got the gags of Amy, but it doesn't have at all the direction of Amy. Like, no, it feels very formulaic. It feels very restricted. It feels very, I mean, it is a lot on location. So I understand if they're not able to take the time to set up real expressive moves, but it also just feels like shitty cheap sequel. Let's knock this thing out and get out of here. My understanding of the development of at least the original is that they were based on a short story that, um, guys, it John Landis who wrote that movie? Sorry, who wrote this fucking thing? It is John Hughes. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, that was in my brain, but I, I guess I'm maybe associating with Harold Ramis, but I guess it's based on stories from John Hughes's childhood. So John Hughes would have been the son, Gus. Uh, uh, yeah. Who hires the hooker? Who hires the hooker, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was jarring moment as well. Like, <laughs> anyway. The, no, it's fine. Like, you, know, you kind of jarred loose in my mind is the character that I identify most with this movie is actually the daughter who just wants to get home and fuck her boyfriend, where I'm just like, fuck family vacation. I have a girlfriend. I am 16. So yeah. that I can at least identify with. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of weird. <laughs> Yeah, I actually did a European vacation with my family. How'd it go? And had the same, like, man, this is great. I love seeing Europe, but also I might just want to go home right now. Yeah. I don't know, man. I wish there was more to say. I wish I had something yeah. else to say. I... I can't even remember. There was, like, probably three times I laughed. I think, uh, yeah, and it. It's a bit, it's a bit, like I'd say the bits, there are a couple bits and I, I did enjoy the Eric Idle thing just because I'm, I see that bit and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, <laughs> easy laugh and I'll just move on. Um, sure. But, uh, but I think it was because there were so few <laughs> that I associated with, or, yeah. No, um, there's, there's a, a dearth of humor. I don't know what other ones I've seen, but I know that I've seen Chevy Chase in Chevy Chase in that character so I must have seen one or so of these movies before and I remember just thinking he's an awful character like yeah he, like cheats on his wife or tries to or uh he's always selling out the kids like the kids have something awesome and then he ruins it for his own gains and oh, you know like it's yeah and it's like undercutting yeah. his wife the whole time and just yeah, and always trying to just be like shitty cut and line guy you know just like yeah, uh, my relationship or memory of these movies is when I was a kid getting a hold of Vegas Vacation and loving it because I was a little kid and I was not supposed to be watching that movie. <laughs> yeah. And then watching it again recently and Jane Krakowski, is that her? The, the oh, yeah. From 30 Rock and... Uh, 30 Rock, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know who you're talking about. Jane might be the I don't know might be the character name but Krakowski's definitely the blonde girl yeah so yeah. she's the she's a she plays Randy Quaid's daughter in that movie and the jokes yeah. are terrible and just as like jarringly gross but it's her and Randy Quaid who are both really really talented comic actors so those yeah. scenes I think still hold up just as like okay if you're gonna do this awful thing at least you have talented people doing it 
And then yeah. I've, I've seen the original. I remember hating it and hating uh, Clark and Chevy Chase. And I've seen Christmas Vacation a couple of times. And I don't hate it. Similarly for a casting thing, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in that movie. Yeah. And so whenever she's on screen, I'm kind of like, oh, all right, that's fine. And it's a Christmas movie, so it, I'm never actually watching it when it's on. I'm like <laughs> making a pie and drinking eggnog, and that's fine, yeah. you know. Yeah, so that's, no, that, uh, that's what I got about vacation. I guess I'd be really, you know, looking forward to moving on. There's this sort yeah. of uh, gut instinct in me that says, you know, I'm I'm speculating here, but uh, Amy Heckerling is a very talented director who probably came up like most directors do doing some commercials and promotional stuff around the, around the late seventies and early eighties. And that's mm -hmm. how she got in touch with Cameron Crowe. So when he got his script to go and their meeting, these two responded to each other because they have, you know, the same sensibilities and she's got some fire on her hands and the studio likes her, but they're kind of like, okay, we need you to knock out a couple of these things that we got to get through. And then yeah. we're going to, you know, it's a one for me, one for you sort of scenario. So I'm really looking forward to getting to the, the ones that Amy did for Amy. That's it. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. I, I think I'm the same. Like, I think, I think Fast Times at Richmond High felt like Amy's movie. Yeah. I think, I think you watch that movie and you're like, oh, cool. This is, this is a director getting their point of view across and like getting things across. And then the, like the last two just felt like other people's stories, other people's stuff. For, like, she's good at telling the story, but uh, I don't. Uh, I, I give Johnny Dangerously a little credit because I think the, the comedy filmmaking is really pretty solid. And yeah. comedy's not easy, man. It ain't easy. No, especially slapstick kind of yeah. um, absurdist stuff can be quite tricky to get the, like, tone and pacing and, Yeah. And she, uh, she nails it throughout that movie for me. And, and, and then there's this <laughs> one. It's all good. I'll tell you what, one day I'm probably going to watch it again, just picturing you laughing. <laughs> Maybe I'll enjoy it more. <laughs> Stay tuned. Live watch Johnny Dangerously yeah. <laughs> this weekend. Um, yeah, cool. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, I was, I was quite keen to get past this one because I already, yeah, with, without being too rough on it i was kind of writing it off before we even started and then it kind of lived up to it like you know yeah i, I tried to stay open-minded and man i had to like slap myself to stop from picking up my phone several times just because it was yeah. a challenge yeah so glad we're through it so we're going into the look who's talking you can actually watch look who's talking finally yeah. we're finally yeah. here Cannot wait to listen to baby Bruce Willis. <laughs> and it's John Travolta and Kirstie Alley, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to. Speaking of Kirstie Alley, have you seen Summer School recently? No. I don't even she... think I know Summer School. It's um, <laughs> uh, Mark Harmon and Kirstie Alley. And it's like a, you know, a, a beach comedy. It's kind of one of the last of the like beach comedies. And oh, yeah. that movie ends with those two making out, but then their dog like runs up and they're all like, oh, hey dog. And you know how people kiss dogs? They are yeah. all just like three-way making out with a dog. 
and that's how that movie ends. It's fucking bizarre. <laughs> the eighties, the eighties made some fucking questionable <laughs> decisions. It's so amazing. Like, uh, not not recently, but I watched Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> nice this movie is unbelievable. I fucking I love that movie, but it is not the comedy you think of it. Like, it is a comedy, but it's it's basically following a sociopath with him working his way up Wall Street because <laughs> he does whatever he can to get ahead, which includes, like, sneaking into the boss's party and then the boss dies and he's like, wait, I can work this to my angle. Jeez. So instead of, like, dealing with the death of a human being, he, like, uses him as a puppet to get a girlfriend. <laughs> like, it's, it's amazing. Like... Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, feel crazy decisions at the heart of so many '80s movies. But it sounds like I don't know. I haven't seen Weekend at Bernie's in a long, long, long time. No, you should watch it because the the what I thought the film was, which was people like trapped in a tough situation and like, oh, what do we do? We're gonna, we're so trapped. We have to like do stuff outside of our comfort zone to save ourselves. It's not that film at all. They they have a free out multiple times and they lean in because they're like oh we might get more money or that girl likes me so we'll pretend like the boss is alive and just use him as a puppet oh. and it's like oh so you're both psychopaths <laughs> like just <laughs> dude so many of the bizarre motivations of 80s and 90s movies are just late stage capitalism you're literally <laughs> dragging around a corpse so that you can get a promotion yeah. <laughs> I also oh just watched Blank Check on a similar vibe. And that movie oh. is nuts. Yeah, it's a Disney movie from the early 90s. And it's about a kid who uh, gets a blank check. And sort of because of that, or, you know, that's our catalyst into this world of crime that he's trying to escape from, but also capitalism that he's really trying to engage with. And his dad's like, super proud of him for starting a business so much so that he doesn't question that he's moved out as a 12 year old. Cause he's just like, yeah, he's succeeding. Like, no, what is yep. happening in your family unit? You need to pay attention to these things. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. We talked about everything but European vacation. I think. I both. know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a, it was just a, a bit droll. It was a bit like, yeah, a bit plain, and I like, yeah.